Hello and welcome. We are on the Revival Road with evangelist Chance Walters. If you are new to the podcast, each week we will upload a new message taken from one of our ministry opportunities from all over the world. Our prayer is that the Word of God would challenge you and change you, conforming you into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For more information, to give or to send in prayer requests, go to our website at www.chancewalters.org. And now, here is evangelist Chance Walters. We hope you enjoy the program. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it now lives in you. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit of God did not give us a spirit of fear, but He gives us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I want you to see two times in verse 5, the Apostle Paul tells young Timothy that there is a faith that lives in you. And today I want to talk about a living faith, a living faith. It's in you. But before I talk about this, I want to first define what faith means biblically because a lot of people say I'm a person of faith. I'm not an atheist. I believe in God. But in our world, there's so many beliefs. There's so many people who worship all different kinds of things. In fact, with a quick Google search, you'll find 28 million gods are worshipped in our world. 28 million deities defined by the world's standard. People will literally worship anything. But instead of going through these religions, if you will, I want to give you three categories concerning faith. Number one, an abstract faith. Number two, a ceremonial faith. And number three, a living faith. Because in my travels and in my personal encounters when sharing my faith, I quickly find out that most people don't really know what they believe. They have an abstract faith. They'll say, you worship the way you want to worship, and I'll worship the way I want to worship. You don't bother me, and I won't bother you. But truly, most people believe that we will all end up in the same place, no matter what we do in the here and now. They would say all roads lead to heaven. It's abstract. Existing in thought and idea, but not having a physical or concrete existence. It's abstract. A famous talk show host made this statement a few years ago that all roads lead to heaven. And this grieved me so deeply because I know this is not true. There's only one road to heaven, but many roads to hell. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. 
But on the contrary, so many people believe in a divine power, but they don't put a name tag on him because he is abstract in their heart. This is why they play tarot cards. They go to psychics to get their future told because they're searching for the truth. They think or they, they seem to believe that there's a God out there, but it's a guessing game. Russian roulette, you could say. It's an abstract faith. They don't really know. But then, secondly, you have a structured faith, a ceremonial faith. And by this I mean there's people of faith who were raised in the church, and they're not anti-Christ. They believe in the virgin birth. They believe in His sacrifice. Most of them would say they believe in the Bible. You know, they, they want their kids raised in church. They want a Christian wedding. They love the Christmas and Easter celebrations. You know, and all of this is good, but they only do this because this is what mama and grandma want them to do. It's structured. It's ceremonial. It's what they were born into. It's religious, repetitious. It's an outward appearance of righteousness, but no power, no life change, if you know what I mean. In fact, so many people believe and they even get baptized, but nothing happens. Why? Because it was done for the wrong reasons. They go down a dry center and they come up a wet center. It's only a ceremony, just like communion, no substance. It's just repetition. And see, some people say, I'm a person of faith. It's abstract. Other people say, I'm a person of faith. It's ceremonial. But then, third and lastly, we have a living faith. And this is where I wanted to be. A personal faith, a genuine faith, an authentic faith, a sincere faith. And this is what I found out. The only faith that is alive and transferable is a personal, individual, heartfelt faith. See, you can't have a lukewarm relationship with Jesus and pass on a red-hot relationship with Jesus to your spouse and kids and grandkids. And this is what the Apostle Paul was talking about in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He was speaking to his young successor. And in this story, we get the progression of a generational faith. See, Grandma gets a touch. Mama got a life change. And now Timothy has received the same virtue. Grandma got a praise life, a prayer life. Grandma started prophesying, reading the scripture. She started going to church, sharing her faith. Grandma passes this faith to her daughter, Eunice. And now she's living the same kind of life. She can access, access heaven with her faith. And now her young son, Timothy, is suddenly working beside the Apostle Paul. This is so powerful. Can you see the progression? This family has began to go from faith to faith. The grandma to the mama to the young man. And this 
reality really weighed on me as a minister. I can only transfer to you what I am. I cannot give what I do not have. To say it a little more eloquently, I cannot reproduce what I do not possess. I can't pass on to you something that has not grabbed a hold of me. If I don't possess it, I can't impart it to the next generation. I can't change the world if my life has not been changed itself. If I don't have faith, I cannot transfer my faith, my gift, my calling, my anointing to the next generation. And to me, this is the greatest calling to leave a legacy of faith, to preach the gospel and to make disciples, to multiply my ministry. And with this in mind, I can't have a distant faith, a distracted faith, a dying faith. No, I want a hunger and a thirst so deep down in my soul that the people around me pull on my gift and they get healed, they get filled, and they get set free. This is the only thing transferred is my time spent at the feet of Jesus. Him filling me up and me releasing His fragrance with the world. And it reminds me of the disciples, for it is written, the religious leaders took note that the disciples had been with Jesus. And Jesus confirmed His word with these signs following. And notice the living faith is the essential ingredient. This is not a take it or leave it teaching. Faith, my friend, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is essential. You can't have John 3.16. You can't have Isaiah 53. You can't have Matthew 6.33. You can't have anything in this book the Bible without faith. Faith is the key that opens the door to a great reward. Hebrews eleven six says, He will reward those who diligently seek Him. See, salvation is free, but everything from there is warfare. Somebody needs to write that down. Your salvation, the love and grace... Mercy of God is free, but everything from there is warfare. So we need to take off our spiritual pajamas and put on the whole armor of God this year because God is real, the Bible is true, and Satan is sinking to devour you. Therefore, we have to walk by faith in the midst of spiritual warfare. Don't miss this. The kingdom of heaven is not a handout. It is a reward system for those who walk by faith. See, inside of your Bible is what your life is supposed to look like. And some people would say, oh, you're a faith preacher, right? And I am. I am a faith preacher. But I'm not saying everything is going to be hunky-dory. Not everything is going to be grand. <laughs> but 
when you go through the valley, you will come out if you walk by faith. For many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver you from them all if you walk by faith because it is the essential ingredient. Secondly, it's the currency of heaven. We're going back to India this year. And if you want to buy something in India, you have to have a rupee. In Germany, if you want to buy something, you have to have a franc. In England, a pound. In America, a dollar bill. You can't buy anything without the currency of the country. In heaven, you've got to have faith. If you want something from the warehouse of heaven, bring your faith. Because in the kingdom of heaven, you don't get what you want. You get what you believe for. It's a personal faith. It's not limited by what others are limited by. It's a personal faith. It doesn't matter what happened to the guy down the street. You're different. You're set apart. I don't know who I'm talking to. You're connected to a different economy, a different kingdom. You're a pilgrim, and all of the divine benefits of the Bible are obtained by faith. Eighty-four times in the Bible, we read by faith, by faith, by faith. Personal faith is the only faith that will bring the kingdom of heaven to your home. I'm telling you, it's the only faith transferred is a living faith. Nothing else matters. This is the most important element. I'm telling you, if you want to make a difference, your faith has to be living on the inside of you. And Jesus taught this message so many times. But in Luke chapter 4, we see that Jesus was preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out devils. And every city that Him and His disciples walked into something happened supernatural until he came to his hometown, Nazareth. When he went to his hometown, they did not receive the prophet. So there was no revival, no spiritual awakening. Why? Because they had no faith. Mark 6.6 6 says that Jesus could not do any miracles in his hometown except to lay his hands on a few sick people. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was amazed at their lack of faith. What happened? He left there, went to Capernaum. Miracles broke out. So we read miracles in the beginning, miracles at the end. But in the middle, there was no faith. Therefore, there was no miracles. What happened? I believe they got too familiar with Jesus. They had been around Him his whole life. It was a ceremonial faith. It could have been an abstract faith. But somewhere along the way, they got too familiar with, with Christ, Christianity, or we could say church. They would go to church, they would sit through the service, they would go back home. And so the faith was diluted, therefore God could not do what He wanted 
to do. Do you see the underlying issue? They were going through the motions and they missed the Messiah. They missed the miracles. And sadly so, they missed their moment. So help us God. And Jesus goes on to say in Mark chapter 6, in his teaching about faith that there were many widows in the days of Elijah, but only one had faith. Everybody else was dying, but there was one widow who heard the word of the Lord from Elijah. And because she believed and obeyed, a blessing was transferred to her bank account. She only had one meal left. Her and her son was going to eat it and die. It was a cake of cornbread. But the prophet said, if you give it to me, you will live. And Jesus was teaching about this. By faith, you can obtain substance. Man of miracles. He was teaching his disciples about why the supernatural manifestation of the power of God was not being poured out in his hometown. And he goes on to say there were many lepers in the time of Elisha, but Naaman was the only man who got healed. There were many dying, but only one lived because he had a living faith. And for those of you who struggle in the faith department, I don't want you to miss this. Naaman really didn't have much faith. But notice he hung around somebody who did. Elisha said, go dip seven times in the Nile. And his first thought was, I'm too important to do something so outlandish. See, initially his pride was keeping him from his healing. But a, but a humble servant spoke up and encouraged him to obey the prophetic word. And in this moment, his faith was sparked because he had a personal encounter with somebody who had more faith than him. And I love this. By faith, he stepped into the river and he dipped six times and nothing happened. But on the seventh time, he came up looking like a newborn baby. His leprosy was supernaturally healed. And I believe this is a picture of water baptism. You go down dirty, but you come up brand new. Come on, somebody. Here's my point. I want you to see this. The Apostle Paul... Jesus taught on this. The Apostle Paul taught on this. He said two times in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it's in you. This faith, this living faith, it's in you. The faith of your grandmother and the faith of your mother, it is in you. The living faith, son, it's in you. I have to say, many of you listening to me today, it's in you too. It's in you. I'm telling you, that's why you can't do what other people do because something has been transferred into your spirit. The anointing, the power, the glory, it's in you. Somebody stand up right now and shout, it's in me. Lift up your hands. It's in me. There's a living faith on the inside of me. A living, genuine, authentic, sincere, transferable faith. But he doesn't stop there. He says, because it's in you, stir it up. 
Stir up the gift of God that was given to you by the laying on of hands. Stir it up. Stir up the gift, the anointing, the calling. See, we can't afford to have a ceremonial faith and just check the boxes off of my weekly to-do list. I went to church. I did a devotion. I read my Bible. No, for me, it's so much more than this. I have to have a living faith. That's why I fast and pray so that my faith can be activated and demonstrated in the world around me. That's why I read my Bible and pray in the Spirit every day. It's not religious. It's not just words on a page, a bunch of mumbo jumbo. No, these words guide me. They direct me. They increase my capacity. These words are Spirit and they are life. Where else can I go? I've got to have an intimate, authentic relationship with Jesus or my heart is easily led astray. And I'm left with wood and stubble and hay. So help me, God. This is our marching orders for the month of March. We've got to have a living faith. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. And I would venture to say, if you're not growing in your faith, if you're not transferring your faith to the next generation, that this is not the will of God for you. See, God's will is for you to leave a legacy of faith. Don't listen to what other people have to say. Don't listen to negativity. Don't listen to the naysayer. Listen to the Lord. Flex your spiritual muscles by faith. And I promise you, <laughs> your ministry will be multiplied to your family, your sons and daughters, your grandkids, the people that you come in contact with. You will transfer this faith, and it will live both now and forevermore. I conclude with three things. I want to remind you, there's a faith in you. It's in you, and it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Somebody say amen. I want to remind every believer listening to me right now, there's a faith in you, but number two, you got to stir it up. It's like the sugar in the bottom of a glass of sweet tea. You got to stir it up. If you want the whole cup sweet, you got to stir it up. Yes, God poured His Spirit in, but if you don't stir it up, it will settle in the bottom. Do you know what I mean? Lastly, I pray that you would go from faith to faith the next few weeks. This is your marching orders. Psalm 71, 18, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, until I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who come. March on, my friend, and give your faith away. It's in you. This is the living faith.
This program was made possible by the generous partners and friends of Chance Walters Ministries International. Until next time, we are on the Revival Road. For more information, download our free ministry app or go to our website at www.chancewalters.org. Indeed, the best is yet to come.